The lesson's already been read for your hearing. For homiletic emphasis, let me just point to a verse or two. The first coming from Isaiah, the first chapter, where the prophet asks, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lambs of goats. When you come to appear for me, who asks this from your hand? It goes on to say, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove evil from your doings. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And then in the Gospel of Luke 19, it just starts off with Jesus entering and passing through Jericho. And that man that we've heard about, Zacchaeus, was there. The Bible says that he was a chief tax collector, he was rich. And he was trying to see Jesus, but on the account that he was short, he could not. The height of humanity, the height of humanity. My friends, the young man who read the gospel lesson this morning is six foot eight. Yours truly is five foot ten. There are few things in life of which I would want to compete with this kid. I say this not simply because he is a gifted engineering student, of which he is. I say this not simply because he is an incredible athlete. Yes, he's that too. But I say this for a more basic and a more base reason. He's almost a foot taller than me. And in the world in which we live, this means that he has real benefits and real privileges. Evidence shows that when it comes to men, there are material benefits associated with height. Taller men earn more on average, by the inch in fact. Studies show that as young as three years old, teachers tend to select taller boys as the quote-unquote natural leaders in the class. And we know that the vast majority of presidential elections in this country have gone to the taller candidate. From salary to sexual attraction, from perceived authority to assumptions about intelligence, we live in a society that draws immediate conclusions based on height. We live in a world where physical stature matters. I begin with this point today for a reason. My sermon is not about heightism. Nor does it have anything to do with my own Napoleonic complex in relationship to Mr. Lewis. 
But the reason I begin with this height differential is because there's a lesson in today's gospel about snap judgments. There's a lesson here about the dangers of unconscious bias based on external appearance. There's a lesson in today's text about seeing the possibility and potential in the least and likeliest of places. Well, today's gospel lesson introduces us to a man named Zacchaeus. We don't know anything about his family background. We don't know anything about his upbringing. But we know a couple of things about Zacchaeus, and none of them are flattering. For one, we know, as we learned in the children's message, he's a tax collector. This is not an occupation that would generate goodwill among his fellow Jews. They're in the region of Roman Palestine. People are living under imperial rule. And Rome subjected the people to what was known as a tributary tax system. So above and beyond paying taxes to local magistrates, they also were taxed with the burden of paying financial tribute to Caesar. And the empire used local agents in the community. They used local people, homegrown, to collect these taxes. And quite often, the tax collectors would make the payment to Rome first. Then, like a modern-day bill collector, they would resort to extreme and exploitative means to recoup their money. Violence and harassment were common. And the mere fact that a local tax collectors were willing to collude with the empire for personal gain was not lost on everyday people. Tax collectors were viewed as sellouts. They were evil agents of the empire. They were professional vampires of sorts. They were sucking the life out of their own community. Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. In fact, the Bible says that not only was he a tax collector, he was a wealthy tax collector. This means, secondly, not only was his profession corrupt, he was obviously good at it. Think of drug dealers, slumlords, or predatory lenders today. Their wealth is commensurate with their ability and willingness to exploit. For instance, tax collectors were known to exaggerate their tax bills to increase their take-homes, padding the top for profit. That was commonplace. So whether by hook or by crook, Zacchaeus knew how to get the job done. Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. He was wealthy, and the final thing that we know about him is that he was short. If this scene were to be, have been made in, into an American movie, Zacchaeus would have probably been portrayed as that short archetypal gangster that we witnessed throughout the 20th century. For it seems that even in Hollywood, they needed to capture the correlation between height and moral character. This is why the good guys were always tall and dashing like Professor Madigan. And the bad guys were often played by the likes of five foot five James Cagney or five foot seven Edward G. Robinson. 
Now, I'm not sure that this is why Luke emphasizes Zacchaeus' height, but we do know that size and moral perception was an issue in the ancient world. Does anybody here remember a gentleman by the name of Saul? The Bible tells us that when the children of Israel desired a king, they selected Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. The Bible described Saul as handsome, and he was a head taller than everybody else. Thus, even for the ancients, there was an optical correlation between height and one's humanity. Well, despite his job description, despite his diminutive stature, we witness something interesting about Zacchaeus. And that is simply, he's moved by Jesus. Oh, it says that when he heard that Jesus was coming through Jericho, he sought him out and he wanted to see Jesus for himself. This causes Zacchaeus to do something that would have been considered embarrassing and uncouth, particularly for a wealthy man of his stature and his standing. What does he do? Zacchaeus takes off running ahead of the crowd and then he climbs up a tree. Anybody here, can anybody here imagine any one of us doing something like that? Like an adolescent going crazy over a boy band. We run ahead, we jump into a tree just to get a better view. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine Doris running ahead, jumping up a tree? Dory jumping in that tree. Why? Bob Dylan's coming. And the same way that we would look at one another thinking we're a little crazy, that's the same way people in the text are looking at Zacchaeus. But how many of you here today know that Jesus looks at us differently? Jesus doesn't see Zacchaeus as foolish. Jesus sees his growing faith. Where others in the crowd only see a wealthy tax collector, Jesus sees an expanding heart. Where others just see a short man climbing up a tree, Jesus sees someone trying to figure out how to live right and love better. I'm confident this morning that this is a beautiful reminder for somebody here under the sound of my voice. Each of us is more than an initial impression. We are more than our stature. We're more than our skin color or gender. We're more than our face and our physique. We're more than our place of origin or even our current occupation. We're more than that. Too many of us, we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to look the part, act the part. In class, students, we try to sound smart. On our jobs, we attempt to come across as competent. Even in church, we attempt to appear spiritual. We learn the hymns. We memorize scripture. We even hold our heads and our hands in a particular posture so that we'll look pious. But I can hear the words of Isaiah saying, 
That doesn't matter to me. What does it matter, the multitude of your sacrifices? What does it matter, your prayers and your burning of incense? You know what is just. You know what's right. To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly before our God. And yet we do all of these things like the man that we can contrast Zacchaeus against in Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler, the one who said, well, I pay my tithes, I come to church, I don't tell lies, I honor my mother and father. But God is saying, but what does that matter, your personal piety? You're looking the part. You're acting the part. And all too often, you and I, we do this for no other reason than instant public approval. We go places and we slide into character that nobody will say, look at him. He's nothing but a tax collector. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus doesn't care who sees him. Zacchaeus doesn't care who judges him, nor is he too ashamed about his current occupation to seek out Jesus' help. His past will not foreclose his future. His present occupation will not preclude his potential in Christ. Why? Because it seems that Zacchaeus already understands that God looks at us through different lenses than we look at each other. Where man looks at outward appearances, the Bible says, God looks at our hearts. Where our own insecurity causes us to judge and condemn quickly, God is concerned with our possibility and our potentiality. This is not to say, my friends, that our actions do not matter. To the contrary, our actions matter greatly. But God judges us by the sincerity of our faith, not the acuity of our public performances. Consider Moses. Oh, Moses, we know, was a man with a stuttering problem. But God was more impressed by the clarity of his convictions. God valued moral courage, courage over eloquence of articulation. Consider David. When tall, dark, and handsome Saul proved cowardly and corrupt, God saw a little shepherd boy risking his life just to protect one sheep. This is why God picked him over all of his tall and handsome brothers. Because in God's eyes, David's commitment to duty was more important than his physical description. Consider Esther. Where others saw a beauty queen and a trophy wife to a Persian king. God saw a woman of great faith and conviction. While others may have been enamored by her appearance, she was plotting to combat injustice and genocide against her people. Why? God looks at us. God sees what we're capable of. God sees our potential. God sees our promise. And you and I should take comfort and find inspiration here today. For in God, we are so much more than others might give us credit for. When others say, he's nothing but a rich tax collector. When others say, she's nothing but a wealthy Harvard student. When others say, he's nothing but a financial aid kid. When others say, she's nothing but a dining service worker. When others say, he's nothing but a janitor. You can trust and know that God sees more than what's on the surface.
God sees both the complexity of who we are and the capacity for who we can become. Jesus. He had faith and trust in Zacchaeus' potential and in his possibility. This causes the tax collector to begin looking at himself and his obligations to humanity quite differently. Jesus was willing to greet him with grace rather than judgment. This causes Zacchaeus to drop his insecurities and embrace others with the grace and compassion that God extends toward him. Jesus embraced Zacchaeus where he was and for who he was. This is what I believe catalyzed Zacchaeus to reimagine who he could become. Recently, my friends, I read a story in the Washington Post that captures this sentiment. A Georgetown University business major began to notice something. Each night, as this young man sat in the library, another young man about his same age would come in and start polishing the windows. For nearly a decade, this janitor came in this space about the same time every night, polishing the windows, picking up, cleaning up after students. And up until now, nobody had ever really engaged him. No other student had ever said more than a passing high or, excuse me, please. Until this night, until this business student decided to strike up a conversation. The student discovered something that he did not anticipate. The student and the janitor shared so much in common. They were both immigrants from Jamaica. They both loved history and politics, and they both were aspiring entrepreneurs. In fact, he discovered that the janitor had a small catering business, and he made one of the best jerk chicken dishes he had ever tasted in his life. Before long, the janitor was catering student events on campus, and students even helped him raise $2,500 for catering gigs and to create his own website, O'Neill's Famous Jerk. This government student, Febin Bellamy, widened his practice. He could not stop seeing those who were invisible to him. As a matter of fact, in his words, he said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see them, you can't unsee them. This is why he began sharing people's stories on a Facebook page entitled Unsung Heroes. With each story, with each shared aspiration, with each tale of a complicated life of pain and promise, more and more Georgetown students began to see just how much they had in common with university service workers. And it's just a matter of breaking through the walls of class and education that often separate us. It's just a matter of resisting snap judgments about and seeing people and learning to see people as God sees you and me. My friends, there's much for us to learn here from Zacchaeus. 
There's much to learn from this relationship between Jesus and Zacchaeus. Just as there's a lot for us to learn from one another, particularly in unexpected places in life. With each story, with each shared aspiration, with each tale of a complicated life of pain and promise, you and I just might learn something more about Zacchaeus. Our lives need not be valued by wealth, but rather by our contributions to others. For in God's eyes, the height of our humanity is not measured by such juvenile categories as money, physical beauty, or body size. But our height is measured by the depth of our commitment to serve one another, seeing one another as God sees us, not simply as we appear, but who in Christ you and I might become. Let the church say amen.